This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraus. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Shritama from the AD program. And I'm Yuling from the Mark program. Welcome back to GSAP Conversations. In this episode, we hear from alumni Violet Whitney and James Brillin. The school recently commissioned a small group of GSAP alumni to report on the current state of internships in the architecture profession. James is one of the contributors to the report, and we asked him to expand on the issues in this conversation with Violet. In addition to teaching in GSAP's visual studies sequence, Violet leads computational design and research at Sidewalk Labs. They discuss Violet's personal experience in her transition from architecture to tech and how the business models of traditional architectural firms compare to those of a tech company. Violet concludes by encouraging students to be more open to alternative career path and to embrace the more entrepreneurial side of the profession. You can find a report called Internships in the Architectural Profession on the GSAP website. The link is in this episode's description. Thanks for listening. I'm Violet. I went to school at GSAP and now also teach there. And I also work as a product manager at a company called Sidewalk Labs. Um, and we do a lot of work around uh, automating a lot of the work that happens in design and architecture. Um, and we also do a lot of work around uh, simulation. I'm James. I'm a recent GSAP graduate as well. I'm working now as a designer at an architecture firm in New York City. Um, I also write, and we've been working on this research collaboratively with a few of my colleagues on uh, internships and the practice of becoming an architect and what it takes to um, make that jump from being a student to being a professional. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about today. So I'm just going to start with giving a bit of background about the research. So basically, this came about um, between 2014 and 2016. The AIA and NCARB uh, started updating their terms and their documents um, to remove the term intern from, from, their, from their literature. And now, according to those associations, um, people who have recently graduated and are working should be called design associates or architectural professionals. So this is also this is a bit of a change in culture for these organizations, but it's also a bit tricky because those terms violate um, some state laws on title acts and who can call themselves an architect. So in itself, that's, that's an issue. Um, according to the IAA's new position, um, interns are meant to be students um, that are working at an office while pursuing their degree, so not graduates. Mm -hmm. But on the market today, there are still many positions that are for graduates that are labeled internships. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a bit of a gap um, between you know, what the market calls an internship and what an internship is supposed to be um, from a professional point of view. And so that kind of highlights for us the, the importance of informing students and also offices about um, what are internships and who, who should be called an intern um, because there are, there are repercussions to the term. And so um, the, title, the title is important and signifies things socially, but more than the title, we're trying to talk about um, what are the implications for fairness, um, equity, and, and even credibility for the profession. Um, so I'm here today to talk about this with Violet Whitney. Um, in addition to her focus on spatial planning, data, computation, and design, uh, a common thread throughout her work has been finding a different way for architecture um, in terms of social justice, fairness, um, and alternate modes of practice. So Violet, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so can you just kick it off by starting to describe uh, just your own path and your own sort of career post-GSAP? And I particularly want to know, have you done an internship and what was that like? <laughs> Never. No, I didn't. 
Um, so after, I, I guess it was a little weird f- or different for me post GSAP because when I started out at GSAP, I think I was already out of the profession in some ways. I went there because Kazis Varnellis had just written this book on network publics, um, talking about how the internet was changing the built environment. And so I think I was feeling a bit like architecture was out of touch with a lot of the changes that were happening in the world. It felt like a lot of the shifts that were taking place uh, were being pushed by all these things outside or like in the periphery to architecture. And so it was definitely a much more natural progression for me to do a lot of technology-oriented stuff at GSAP and get oriented to like the Center for Spatial Research and a lot of the uh, tech-driven things that were happening at GSAP. So moving over to Sidewalk Labs uh, made a lot of sense. But before I started at GSAP, um, I spent a lot of time in the architecture industry doing much more like capital A architecture. Um, And maybe this is a common thread for a lot of other people. Um, I probably spent about eight years in the industry and had started out as a receptionist at a big architecture firm and kind of climbed that corporate ladder. Nice. Um, And I think... Maybe that was some of the nail in the coffin for me that made me decide to jump careers. Um, Because I think what I was seeing, having climbed that corporate ladder in some ways, I went from a receptionist to an admin and then worked as an intern and then as a lead specialist. And I think I recognized my pay was the same having after going to school as it was as a receptionist. And so there was a kind of what moment there. (laughs) Um, And I also think I saw the kind of trend line of where climbing that corporate ladder was going. And I didn't really feel like the principles were headed in that same upward path. So I think some of what made me shift was, um, I mean, I'm, I'm talking a bit about like the pay and the career trajectory that was limited there, but I think, um, it also felt like a lot of the social changes that I wanted to see taking place in the world maybe weren't happening in architecture. Like a lot of doing kind of luxury projects sometimes uh, and and pretending that we were doing more socially oriented things. So so is changing the term and uh, sort of replacing internship with other terms is that is that a step in the right direction is that some of the change that you'd like to see or you know what what do you make of this new position that that these um, institutions that sort of regulate architecture have have taken yeah I I feel like it has to change because in some ways intern just feels so demeaning for a lot of these people that have worked in the field for like similar to me probably had seven years working up to their master's degree, and then an additional one to three years working in the field, um, the term intern doesn't feel right for that level of qualification. Um, But at the same time, like, it sounds like these new terms maybe are so ambiguous that that's not really helpful either. Um, I'm not sure what the right term is. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the New York State position, uh, just to take one on, on this, is that, uh, for example, calling yourself an architectural designer uh, or an architectural professional um, implies that you're licensed. Um, and same for design associate. Ba- basically, um, the state uh, requires that 
they that those these people call themselves interns um, if they are completing um, the IDP or the what was called the IDP and is now called the AXP. There's there's a bit of a of a gap between what's sort of allowed um, by law and then what the profession advocates for. Um, but I'm I'm curious actually. So a lot of my own personal uh, professional experience is within architecture. So um, I'm curious if you could talk about how internships are handled, for example, here at Sidewalk Labs. Like, uh, would a uh, you know young person with their master's degree um, get an internship at Sidewalk Labs, and, and what does that look like? Yeah, uh, I think there there's definitely differences in the tech industry from the architecture profession and internships. Um, I think in general the pay is usually better, um, kind of naturally. Mm. Um, we also ha- struggle with the same um, issue of what to call an internship. Um, I think our term is summer associate, which also has some ambiguity. Um, so maybe we're also like searching for what the right term is there. Some of the other differences is I think a lot of the intern positions at Sidewalk Labs range from people with master's degrees to people in undergrad, which maybe is more common across different uh, technology companies. Um, mm-hmm. I think another kind of shift that makes tech, but specifically startup companies, very different than architecture firms is that um, architecture firms, as they've existed, have a pretty uh, standardized practice and business model, and you kind of know what you're going to pay an intern that that's flushed out. Um, but in technology, it's definitely more high risk, and because so many of those startups are going after um, new business models that are not vetted yet, and so as a byproduct, a lot of the people coming in um, come in for. Uh, shorter terms sometimes because you don't have runway yet or you might not have headcount. Um, and so it, it produces a kind of higher risk and higher reward. Um, but of course, that also uh, lends itself to people that can have the liberty of taking more high risk positions, you know, that might not be very appetizing to someone with a lot of debt and who didn't come from um, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to, to touch on that risk idea. How, how can architecture firms take more risks? And do you think that that would improve the standing of, of the profession if if, um, if firms were sort of more daring with their business model? Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like um, architecture needs to... One, I think architecture is as seems like it's really been struggling just based on what the pay is right now for a lot of firms. Um, so I think they have to shift that business model. I don't know exactly what the perfect solution is for how they take risk because it seems like a big shift to take these well-oiled, in some ways, machines that produce construction document sets and teach them to do stuff in a completely new way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think investing in their young graduates that are thinking about design in very different ways is probably a mm-hmm. positive step. You mentioned architecture being in, in trouble. Um, to, to, uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. To, yeah, it's dramatic. Um, 
But I wanted to ask, like, is part of the trouble on the horizon for architecture um, actually just losing members? I mean, there's a lot of discussion about attrition and mm-hmm. um, basically, um, you know, there are architecture schools uh, graduate a lot of students and then those people go out and then finally decide that, you know, it's not for them or they're going to do something else. Um, do you think that, you know, how do, how do you see that playing out? Does um, does, the prof- does the profession run the risk right now of sort of drying out and not having anyone be interested in doing it anymore? Yeah, I think it's it's somewhat of it is like um, we're not recognizing that all these other things actually are architecture. And so that attrition is actually a bunch of people going on to do the same sort of like systems thinking and simulation work and all the things that they're doing in architecture schools, a lot of the place where maybe more of that cutting edge work is happening. But then when they're greeted by the profession um, and the profession's rejecting um, technology or new business models and ways of working, um, I think they have an appetite for um, fair pay and um, wanting to have an impact in the world. Um, Maybe that's pushing people into these other roles. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I, I think just recently, it seems so many graduates are, you know, going to WeWork or different urban technology companies. So um, I think the industry is going to have to, is going to be forced to respond. <laughs> um, and whether the AIA or NCARB like it, I think they're already noticing this difference. So if we don't have some sort of credit, like role or accreditation for this this other path that is a very valid path and mm-hmm. maybe even a in my super biased opinion the better path um, then you know they're just going to be missing out on, on another field yeah it can be difficult to sort of stay optimistic in this conversation but you know <laughs> you know because we're talking about these things that are um, very social and that have to do with the profession at large I mean essentially um, I think it boils down to um, market conditions and tradition. It's sort of mm-hmm. these these two sort of factors that are bigger than anyone within the field of architecture that um, sort of perpetuates these negative labor practices. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you are a student, at, you know, at any architecture school currently, um, you know, what can you do against these sort of tidal forces that that are um, kind of hard to hard to break? <laughs> I have the. Um, I don't want to be such a cynic for how architecture is now, but I, um, I would recommend looking at these alternative career paths, which I would call um, career paths, not alternative. I think when I made a shift, I had to come to terms with the fact I didn't want to get my license, and that was really scary because that's such a common path. Um, But once I knew a lot of people that had made a shift to technology and they were just doing so much interesting work that seemed like it was having a great impact. Mm -hmm. And so... And it's the kind of work you do. Like, these are the skills that you're learning at architecture school. Yeah, it's like... And applying them in the real world. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like... um, it's not like it doesn't exist already. And so you have all these fresh minds that are doing really interesting, provocative work. And of course, they're going to go out and want to do these other things. So I would just tell people to like, 
embrace some more entrepreneurial side and maybe it's not like you got to go start your own startup um but why not do that i mean do that (laughs) if you want but i mean there's also a lot of other types of um roles associated with like uh, research or product design and i think even roles that maybe don't have a coined uh term yet like people working in uh with all these smart home products and thinking about like spatial user experience and interactive design. So I think there's a lot of these overlaps with technology in the built environment. I feel like those are all valid roles to take on. They just haven't been, maybe that interdisciplinary approach hasn't been taken yet. And Mm -hmm. I think in architecture school, we are very interdisciplinary. We're thinking about the built environment and technology all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe just to wrap it up, I mean, some a lot of your work has been based on um, other practice models. I mean, this, it's this project that you that you had that was, you know, for trying to connect uh, architecture and entrepreneurship in these sort of two different worlds. Um, that's only one example of a different practice model that um, people can look at, you know, to find more, uh, you know, fulfilling and, and interesting careers. Um, I'm just wondering, like, there are so many practice models. Which are you most sort of excited about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in general, architecture moving more towards um, outcome-based uh, pricing makes a lot of sense. Um, we tend to charge for services for a one-off location, for a one-off building. Um, I think technology has the ability to kind of apply a lot of the things in the mundane work that we do at scale and also bring that to um, maybe lower the bar of entry to people that might not have access to some of those tools. Um, So I think that kind of outcome-based model makes a lot of sense. Um, I think also just these roles that I, these like new roles and entrepreneurial ways of working that are interdisciplinary, I'm also, it seems like very promising. Awesome. Well, Violet, thanks so much. This is this is really uh, uplifting. <laughs> I'm glad it's not ending on a cynical tone. Yeah, so. great. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.